Hello, I'm Philip Brain. And I'm Harry Clennon. And welcome to Reflections by Spectacles. Today, we're going to be talking about an insight that Harry wrote about the Californian housing crisis and its state Senate bills 9 and 10, which take aim at single-family zoning and promote density, while also discussing the role of interest groups and the lessons that we can learn from this topic about them. So, Harry, what do you want to talk about about this article? Uh, Yeah, so, well, first of all, we say that I wrote the article, but I have to give Philip some credit because he rewrote a good bit of it. Usually when you read stuff by me, I, I get lost in the nuance a lot it's, of the time. And Philip, Philip. We both have it. our vices. It's a cl- yeah, it's yeah, a team effort. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, actually, we had an interesting conversation with Matthew Lewis, who works for the advocacy organization California Yimby, Yimby meaning yes in my backyard, which was, played a role in, in supporting and, and, and pushing the legislative push for Senate Bills 9 and 10. Uh, and it was an inter- inter- interesting conversation. But at, in the article, I read about what he said about sort of the opposition groups, the so-called NIMBY, not in my backyard, groups uh, that are against sort of the elimination or restriction of single family zoning, which it should be noted, SB9 basically eliminates single family zoning in California, although not it's not like if you... It basically demotes single family zoning to... Two family zoning. Well, that's, 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 like like a, a, that's not a very nuanced yeah, way of explaining it. You can live in your it, single but. family home still. No one's going to demolish them, but all single family right. lots now can be turned into duplexes. Or, or have their lots split. Or have their features. lots split. So, so basically, you've, you've offered the opportunity to roughly double the housing supply in, in previously single families. Yeah, right. And it's not going to be, obviously, it's not going to be like that. But that's right. the opportunity, essentially, exactly. provided. Yeah. And his point was in these opposition and groups. It, and importantly, you can't stop people from doing that. That's the important thing. Right. Because there are homes associations and local boards and things like this that for a long time have refused to let people do things like this exactly. on their properties. Yeah, that's the main point. Right. And so it says single family homeowners now are allowed to do this you can't stop them right so right that's the key thing to understand but matthew lewis who i spoke to made this point when i asked him about right a lot of these groups will try and say oh well, we're for affordable housing and stuff like that and he said well basically you know put your money where your mouth is you know support they don't support frequently they don't lend their support to uh local initiatives for taxes for affordable housing raising property taxes raising property taxes yeah, yeah. you're never going to find these people uh wanting to raise property taxes and they don't then they'll frequently show up to like you know city council meetings or something like that in opposition to initiatives to bring affordable housing to their neighborhoods so it's interesting then that they are talking about oh we want housing to be affordable but we don't want to end single family zone but we don't want to end single family zoning and I think that this is something that is interestingly true of interest groups, generally speaking. I think the the other example that I would use is, and this made headlines a, a couple months back, maybe two or three months back, that PR people for ExxonMobil were pushing for a carbon tax, meaning a, a tax imposed on the use of carbon. They were pushing for a tax on carbon because they felt like that was a politically dead-on-arrival solution, meaning they thought that it was never going to make it through like the House or the Senate or be signed by a, so a president. So take up our waves. So we take with... up the airwaves with this solution that we don't think is, 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 is politically feasible. Now, I personally think a carbon tax is a great idea and is pretty crucial, but it is kind of, it's, it's, there's, no, there's really no political political ground for it right now. And so these groups 
you know, it, lobbying groups in you know who are par- partnered with ExxonMobil say, well, we'll support a carbon tax because no one is going to go for it, and it's not quite the same thing, but there are they're basically the same strategy. It's, it's a it's a similar instance of an interest group just essentially behaving deceptively to try to game politics. I mean, yes. Yeah. Uh, on, on one, it's a really public-facing issue. On the other, it's a it's a strategy to well, crowd out other solutions, crowd out other solutions, and and shove a put put a wrench in the gears yeah. of the legislative right. process that might otherwise actually address the problem. Right, but principally, I think it's public-facing. It's something that is directed at us, the citizens, to try and get us to think, oh, they are for affordability. Oh, they are for dealing with climate change. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, that's true. That's true. And I mean, I think what you're saying is is is, is right, but I also think it, really what it is, is is it's PR geared towards us. And I think it's very important to sort of be be cautious of it. And you were saying something interesting when we were doing the editing for this, which again, you did a lot of, about the way interest groups behave and, and how we as citizens might be able to be better critical of that. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's the big takeaway of the article is, you know, it's just one of those instances where we're trying to bring democratic theory to the headline help you understand sort of the inner workings of democracy with a headline that's relevant today. And for this one, the main lesson is to really consider what Madison says about the motivation behind most interest group behavior. Mm -hmm. It's, it's material interests. You know, you don't have to be a Marxist to to recognize (laughs) that as, as we, as we joked with the attribution to Marx, then, oh, wait, it's Madison a hundred years before Marx is published or anything. Right. So I think, the, the main takeaway is to acknowledge what Madison says and then be very, you know, suspicious of interest groups and be questioning of what they say. Mm-hmm. Like if you were to go to United Neighbors or Livable California's website, it's going to say right there, we're for affordable housing, we're, we're against SB9 and SB10. Right. So on that subject of, of considering those claims more seriously and sort of interrogating them to try to get to the bottom of the motivation but behind interest group behavior to see if they're really genuine or if they're dishonest, there is one big tell that I can think of that should indicate to you that you should be particularly suspicious mm-hmm. of interest groups and their behavior. Right. And there may be others, but you know I, I can't think of them. But the big one that I can think of is... And this is what you see with the NIMBY organizations at play in California that we've mentioned. And that is if a group frames a principal part of its mission negatively, like the we're against SB9 and SB10 part, right? right? And then another part of their mission positively in support of something everyone agrees on. Yeah. And if that thing that everyone agrees on is something that's been an intractable, complicated, difficult, or expensive political issue to solve, you can pretty reasonably conclude that the only serious part of their message is the negative part. Yeah, or be- at be- least that you should really, that, that's when you, it's time that, you that do should your be homework. A, that should be a tell to yeah. be suspicious. Right. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. The other thing that I wanted to talk about mm-hmm. besides that is one thing that we didn't, spend as much time on as we wanted was criticisms of SB9 and 10. And while I think we both agree that they are steps forward in the right direction, there is, besides the critique that we talked about in the paper, that they don't do enough for affordable housing, 
There's another critique that applies not just to SB 9 and 10, but a lot of affordable housing policy, like just rent-controlled units and affordable public housing and things like this. That is, a lot of times they don't address the deeper problem of property inequality, Mm -hmm. which is offering people who may be paying rent paycheck to paycheck the opportunity to accrue long-term wealth and assets through property ownership. Yeah. Because that is something that's totally inaccessible to someone who's living rent paycheck to paycheck. Right. Right. And it's a crucial tool for escaping poverty and cycles of poverty, yeah. right? Is building that, those, those illiquid assets that it can appreciate over time. Right. And also can be generational, generational wealth that you can pass down. Your, your home can be passed down to your children and things right. like that. And that can be a huge asset in building your, your, your future generations. Wealth, yeah. Right. And I think that that is a really reasonable critique and that's a much, much more difficult problem to solve. I mean, it's already, it's already difficult enough to find the political will. Right. National, state, or local level mm-hmm. to build affordable housing. Right. And I think SB9 is a step in the right direction because it shows that it shows a state, a, a will from some state legislatures, at least in California, mm-hmm. to say no to the NIMBY crowd. No, you can't have your way on this issue. Right. Because in the past, they've been very dominant and they've been in opposition constantly to you can't build that here. Because, you know, the neighborhood association voted against it. Yeah. Because this is our neighborhood and we get to say what goes here. Right. And then you don't have anywhere to build these these units, these affordable housing units. Right. There's a great series on HBO about this. I actually watched the first few episodes. I never finished it called Show Me a Hero. Is it's got o- Oscar Isaac. Yeah, we watched it together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got Oscar Isaac in it. And it's about a city council member in... Qu- Brooklyn? No. Mm-mm. Some part of New York. I'm not from the East Coast. I don't know the different parts of New York. It's about some <laughs> one of the boroughs, a city council member in one of the boroughs. And the, the, this is in the yeah. 80s. And he's advocating for public housing. And he's coming up against all these these established organizations. So anyways, if that's an issue that interests you, it's a, it's a good series. I didn't finish it, but it, it, it was really I don't good. think it ends well for him. It was, yeah, well. I think it's like a rise and fall of a politician type thing opposition to these these kinds of lobbying organizations don't yeah. usually end well for, yeah. for you but no i think he oh really yeah. well don't spoil it right. sorry. <laughs> sorry 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 harry just spoiled the ending but we've 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 edited it out so if you're gonna watch the show don't worry you won't hear it from him yeah <laughs> I don't know. Did you want to expand well, yeah, well, on I mean, what I was so, saying? Yeah. So I think that that's right. What you're talking about homeownership is an interesting point. I mean, I think SB nine kind of does some things that would potentially increase homeownership, right? So theoretically, you could split your lot if you are a homeowner. You could split your lot and in your backyard or something. You could build like a something, or you could turn your your place into like a duplex and sell one of the you know sell one of the units. So potentially, there's opportunities for homeownership, but there is an issue where yeah. perhaps there's an incentive for someone who owns it to, you know, build a new unit and rent it out to someone. So not not ownership. And then you've got not, you know, an increased opportunity for home ownership for, for poorer people. You've actually increased the wealth of, homeowners. Existing, homeowners of existing homeowners. Because now you've got an illiquid asset 
of your of your properties right and a, a liquid income from the rent you're getting from the renter yeah so right. or the rentee yeah. so i mean tenant. the tenant yeah bad with words so yeah there's that opportunity but that's one of the really reasonable criticisms to be leveled at sb9 is that in a way Yes, it is a good sign because it's a state legislature standing up to NIMBYs and NIMBY lobbying organizations, but it also leaves a lot to be desired in that regard. Right. I also think that sort of helps in a lot of ways to connect to sort of also social problems that are going on in the United States right now. I think you have a lot of young people today like me who are not in a position who can reasonably necessarily expect that they're going to own a home before they're like 40 years old. And so if you want, actually, I think this is important, if, if you want to help analyze why you might see a lot of younger people actually turning to more the further left further and further left side of the political spectrum is because they're educated they came from you know middle class backgrounds but they are not expecting to own a home and so there's not a lot they're not going to get the same payoff from all of that they're not going to get the same payoff as like their parents Um, or a a previous generation and there's like a potent might be a churchill quota might be misattributed is that people are socialists when they're 20 and conservatives when they're 40 or liberals when they're 40 and conservatives when they're 60 or something like that there's i mean you're you're you can't expect i think reasonably for the dispossessed to want to conserve anything yeah. if they don't have anything to conserve. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and I think... Whatever that, you think of conservatism and liberalism and socialism, I think that that is just an analytically true Yeah, thing. I mean, that's a super important... It's one of the important tenets of democratic theory is this idea of stakeholder theory. Right. The idea that you're going to improve democratic stability and longevity if more people have a higher economic stake in the system. And, right and especially illiquid assets yeah because those things are vulnerable they can lose their value if things go wrong right right so you're going to want a more stable politics a reliable politics if you have things if you if you are a homeowner you're more yeah. likely to because you don't want anything risky to go down right right and that has its disadvantages like it cultivates the kind of nimby ab- attitude exactly. that can be that can be really counter counterproductive yeah. for solving housing crises this is a critical component of democratic theory and i think it's something that's really showing itself here on this issue yeah definitely yeah the other thing that i wanted to 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 discuss is sort of the people's attitudes towards interest groups you might read this and think oh well Harry and Philip are like against interest groups more generally. I mean, there's like a very superficial I critique. Hate interest groups. <laughs> there's like a very like, there's a there's a common critique I think in like in like politics, a, a common critique in like television and po- popular culture about politics is like oh the interest groups are all they're all evil they're all bad and I don't agree with probably like you know seventy five percent of what interest groups in today's politics want to do. I because, think the most powerful the, and most organized ones tend to have corrosive impacts on our democracy. Have, have the most money and generally have interests that are yeah. that are not in line with the common uh, wealth of society. Right. But politics fundamentally, as it ho- always has in the past, and as I genuinely believe it always will, as long as there are humans doing politics, which I don't foresee a f- future. Otherwise, there's always going to be competing Elon interests. Musk, AI, yeah. robot <laughs> politics yeah, incoming. Right. Yeah, right. Perfectly seamless governance by <laughs> by by artificial by intelligence. By Tesla bots. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so 
I think that as long as there are interests in politics, and there are going to be interests in politics as long as there's politics, there are going to be organized groups around different interests trying to get it done, yeah. right? So there's always going to be interest groups. And I don't think there's any plausible thing like, oh, we're just going to cut all the interests out of politics and it'll just be cleanly done because that's not, that is not how it's ever going to work. And it's be, fantasy to, to nice. think. Um, If if everything were perfect, that would, yeah, that would be nice. Yeah, or even just, I think generally it's not, a bad thing that like there are or- the people say here's what i want i want to organize around yeah. this and i want to make a case for it in politics yeah. i don't think that like madison's federalist 10 conception of factions and how factions work is the most accurate view of the way that interest well, groups operate and, and there's a lot more to fed 10 than the one quote we right. pulled out yeah it's right nuanced, um, but, but and it's also remembered as being about factions but really it's about the extended sphere anyway that's a that's a totally <laughs> i'm not even gonna get i'm not even gonna get into, I'm not even gonna get into that right there um, another day we'll talk about yeah. some federalist papers in a bird's eye not um, today. yeah not today anyway they're always going to be interest groups and so i'm not saying interest groups are bad but obviously because you have organized interest groups which have access to money and research and ways to like make their research look sexy and ways to convince policymakers and us the citizens you got to be critical of what they're doing you have to examine critically what it is that they're up to and i think that 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 i don't think is going to change anytime soon interest groups are fine they're good we more or less need them and if we don't like them they're still going to be a permanent fixture of of politics and human society as long as you have a democracy as long or even not in a democracy, you have organized interest for and against things. I mean, not, you're not going to have publicly organized interest groups in the same salient way that you would have in a democracy, but you're always going to have interest and you're always going to have groups that organize around True. them. True. So you can't get rid of that. But I do think it's important to note that we're not making a critique of inc- interest groups as interest groups. We're not saying interest groups are bad, but we are saying, you know, there is a way to be critical about what you see from them. And I think that that is very important yeah. you know, as democratic citizens that we something we, we should all be doing. Certainly. Yeah. I think that's about it. Yeah. That's all for today. If you enjoyed, consider subscribing to Spectacles in Conversation for more discussions like these between the editors from Reflections and Birdseye. If you'd like to listen to each new focus and insight read aloud, like the one we just discussed, click the link in the show notes for Spectacles Out Loud. If you'd like to read or make a comment on the article that we just discussed, there's also a link in the show notes for that, where you can also sign up for our newsletter if you haven't already. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks.